Hey, and welcome to another episode of For Your Reference. This is our mini segment before the show called Your Phrase or Mine. So OT is going to give us a phrase, idiom or ancient proverb and I'm going to have to guess the literal meaning or modern day interpretation. Prize is choosing the next week's episode. All right, so my proverb for today is from Africa. Okay. Nothing specific about why it originates in Africa, but here we go. Sugarcane is sweetest at its joint. I will take the modern day interpretation and say that whenever you start out in life, it is always the best part of the journey because as you continue along that path, There will be trials and tribulations that will make you bitter for the experience. So make sure you enjoy it at the initial. Oh, interesting. It's almost, you're almost there. Well, what they meant was that it's the good and the sweet things in life may appear difficult to achieve, but in the end, it's worth it. I feel like you loosely came to the same meaning and interpretation. No, mine was different and I would fight you that mine was better. <laughs> oh, well, so surprise. Uh, us is coming out uh, in Australia this week. So most likely we will both decide to do us next week. So we both win. Yeah, Jordan, we Welcome to For Your Reference Podcast with your co-host, Katie. And OT. Yeah, and today it's actually your pick. Yes, Because you won your phrase or mine last week. Yeah, I did. Yes, and what will we be talking about today, sir? We'll be talking about La Casa de Papel, also known as Money Heist. Oh, you don't even need me here. (laughs) <laughs> we can pack up and go home. Yep. <laughs> okay, so that's our pick for this week. Uh, it has been out since 2017. This is a Spanish TV show uh, based around Money Heist, obviously. Uh, it was acquired by Netflix last year and they split the one limited series into two parts and they've also confirmed last year that they will be having a third part released sometime this year. Oh, very nice. So we'll definitely be referring you guys when that date is actually known. Uh, But, you know, for anyone that hasn't uh, come across this show, welcome. Um, We won't go into spoilers just yet. Uh, This show pretty much surrounds the all-encompassing El Profesor. And he pretty much bands together... uh, pretty much people that specialize in what he's looking for, for the long prepared multiple day assault on the Royal Mint of Spain. Okay. So 
very exciting 15 episodes so far in the mini series for money heist uh, I thought we'll just quickly go through all of the characters in the series before we start diving into it uh, if you haven't watched it go ahead and watch it I'm pretty sure it's in most Netflixes around the world um, it also won an Emmy for best drama series last year so there are some accolades there uh, but yeah, definitely check it out. And then once you've watched it, come back to your buddies, uh, at For Your Reference and have a good chat with us. So this series actually starts off with a character that's later known as Tokyo. Uh, it's really moody and it starts off with her laying in the bed, musing about life, how she had her once great love and she doesn't have it anymore. And the series starts with her and it sets the foundation because she's essentially the protagonist and she's also the narrator for the show as well. Yep. We don't really know much about her. We know that she's on the run for some sort of crime um, and she's away from her family. So the way that the series starts off is she gets a call from her mother, her grandmother. Her grandmother. Her grandmother. Um, and she's on her way to meet her when El Profesor intercepts her um, and essentially says, you know, you, you don't know me from a grain of salt, but trust me, you don't want to go there. If If someone was to pull up to you on the side of the road and tell you not to go where you're about to go, how would you react? I'd probably trust them. Really? Yeah. I'll just take a detour. Not, not, I won't be going with them. I'll just go somewhere else and see. You would genu- genuinely just trust a random person. Yeah, because it will be spooky. Otherwise, why would they tell me not to go <laughs> to go home? Okay, tune in next week for OT Heist, <laughs> where he gets heisted himself. Uh, yeah, so the main protagonist is Tokyo. Uh, we also have El Profesor, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, we also have pretty much everyone that's involved in the heist is named after some sort of city, um, some sort of iconic place in the world. We've also got Moscow who's a former minor turned criminal and Denver's father. Mm. Solid character. Very solid character. Very solid character. Uh, d- definitely the patriarchal figure of the show as well. We also have, uh, well, we might as well talk about Denver. So Denver's the son of Moscow. A bit reckless, but he has a good heart. Uh, we've also got Rio, who is very good with a computer. Um, and he also is essentially the love interest for Tokyo. We've got Nairobi, who's a lovely little lady. She's very good at forgery, which becomes very hand, handful, very, very useful mm. um, as the show and the heist goes on as well. We've also got Helsinki and Oslo, who are pretty much the brunt and the brawn of this series. Uh, and we've also got Berlin, who I I will forever say is not just my favorite character in Money Heist or La Casa del Papel, uh, but just in general, I think he was a very solid character with a lot of dimension. 
so those are the main um, sort of heist characters. And then you also have main characters as well uh, on the other side of that. So you've got Raquel, who's an inspector of the National Police Corps. Uh, and she's essentially, you know, chasing El Profesor and trying to get ahead of him. Um, you've also got hostages that we come to know quite intimately through the series. So we've got um, the despicable Arturo. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really bad. Super gross. Uh, and Monica as well. Mm. But one thing about Arturo, you definitely want him if you're a hostage, right? If you're a hostage, you'd want someone like Arturo there. No. Well, maybe I would want him, but I wouldn't want him as the person in power. Not in power, but at least you'd want him in there (laughs) causing all sorts of distractions because he helped a lot of the hostages out. He needed to stand down. Well, just because we were rooting for the, you know, the bad guys. But if you're a hostage in there... You definitely want Arturo in your side. Okay, so so you talk about rooting for the bad guys. Let's talk about this because it is quite an interesting spin. I think more and more our appetite for, I guess, you know, uh, heroes that have gone bad or relatable villains has become even larger now. Uh, and yes, they are, you know, committing a crime, But at the same time, it was made very clear that El Profesor wasn't someone that was out for blood, like Berlin, for example. Mm. He was someone that was calculating, um, but he also had some sense of humanity. Um, Even throughout the heist, he made it very clear that they wouldn't be, there essentially wouldn't be any collateral damage um, in regards to the hostages. Yeah, and that was the plan all along, like... Mm. Make it as clean as possible. And as <laughs> in as much as we know the world, how it works, that's never going to happen. Nothing goes according to plan. Yeah, exactly. But I think, um, you know, because they had their own sense of moral code, you kind of respected that and you kind of just wanted to watch the story unfold. Yeah, true. So let's talk about Raquel. What what are your thoughts on Raquel? Uh, I thought she started off as someone that was very strong, but you could see behind her eyes that there was some vulnerability there. Mm. And I, I got a bit annoyed at the way she was handled throughout the series. But again, I have a very strong sense of strong woman characters and the way that they were written i don't like when uh, a strong woman character falls to the whims of a charming man um, and i felt that's kind of where her character was going and there were a lot of examples of where she slipped up you know she she was becoming reckless and you know she she essentially took her eyes off the prize you know what i mean uh, one thing that I thought was a bit ridiculous, and if you're ever planning on rewatching Money Heist, which I would strongly recommend, uh, it really pissed me off how she would be in the tent, her hair would be down, but as soon as El Professor called, she would have to put it in a bun. And every time she put her hair in a bun and she put that clip in, it was crunch time. <laughs> 
That just means it's action time. But as like, soon as I pointed it out, you couldn't not notice it, could no, you? It was quite noticeable, but all I'm saying is I didn't mind it. It was really gimmicky. It's though. a thing. It's not gimmicky. It's like, it's, you know, she's rolling up her sleeves. You know, when you're watching Rumble and Rumble does, puts up the bandana. Adrian! Wrong, wrong movie. <laughs> That's wrong movie. <laughs> he plays puts, the same character. When Rumble puts on the bandana, you know it's action time. Like, shit's about to go down. Really? That's a similar thing, yeah. It's not gimmicky. It's just fun. Like, yeah, it's a thing. It's a quack. It's a personality trait. Like, yeah, just roll with it. Oh, a, a personality trait. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> what did you think about her? I think she did the best that she could, considering her background. She had an abusive ex-husband. Yes. Terrible trash. An ex-husband who had gotten together with a sister. Which is you could you could not pray for such a thing on your worst enemy. Like it was so surreal that she was actually able to function and to go to work every single day and have all this mess at home, you know, and just compartmentalize everything. But yeah, um so I think she was quite a strong character in that aspect. If she wasn't dealing with the sort of shit she was dealing with, I would definitely think she would she was probably weak. She but... slipped up a lot. And when El Professor... And that's down to the professor being good rather than her being terrible. Yeah, but there were also times when Professor slipped up as well. Really stupid little mistakes along the way. And you're like, you're not actually an expert. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like the moments the professor slipped up, there were moments where... Like when he, he was at the junkyard trying to get his fingerprint of a car. Uh-huh. And he had to cover himself with blood and just to look homeless. Mm-hmm. And we had this scene where they actually meet with Raquel. And Raquel realizes something is not right the second she turns her back on him. Uh-huh. And you could see her mind is that fast. Like she tries to connect the dots like that and i feel like she was quite solid like any 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 slip up that you may think of it was more due to the professor just being a half a step forward than her being horrible at a job you reckon yeah it was it was quite smart of her to have that little note for rio Mm. because we're I'm a bit hesitant because we're going into spoiler town, but I guess if you're here, you've watched it and you want to hear the conversation. So let's steamroll ahead. Um, Because arguably, Rhea was the weak link. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of all of them. And I'm sure there was a part of you as well that was like, okay, he's about to slip. This is about to go pear-shaped right now. True, but... The professor had thought of all the scenarios. They had six months to prepare for all this. Mm-hmm. So we have the professor knowing that they'll try to use Rio. And he told Rio, okay, they will try and come at you. Like they'll use your parents to try and make you feel like you can surrender. Yeah. And we saw this transpiring when they actually got, they, they got, they managed to sneak in a message uh-huh. uh, to the bank about you know a message from the parents and Rio was watching it and he got all emotional 
And we thought as an audience at the time, oh, they found a loophole. Bloody hell, they found a loophole. And it was so predictable. We were like, come on, Professor, you could have done better. But it didn't happen like that. And again, even with Alison, the schoolgirl, and how they had all of the phones on the wall, but they managed to transmit photos from there. That was also a slip-up that wasn't accounted for. But that was more down to Denver. Denver. Um, you couldn't account for people's stupid mistakes. and. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You were just singing accolades of the professor having six months to prepare, but now you're just poo-pooing this? Yeah, like, there's no reason why they they would have had Alison in that room and allowed her to use a phone for whatever reason that was. Like, it was just stupid. There was a... It wasn't really a rape scene, but there was unwanted sexual advances between Alison and that other schoolboy. Yeah, she he tried to take a picture of her naked or groping her and sending her to the other school kids. Fucking gross. Did he end up dying? I hope he did. No, he didn't. He actually managed to escape thanks to Arturo. Arturo. (laughs) Is it time to talk about Arturo? Where do we start? Well, it starts off as, uh, I think Monica's the first one we see. Hmm. And then it pans to her talking to Arturo. And you see that he's the big boss and they have something going on. And then you discover that's not his wife. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he was asking her to give up the baby as well. Yeah, he he found out that Monica was pregnant and he wasn't pleased because he had he was married, had a family, had a kid. Didn't want to rock the boat, you know. Um, a lot of these things go that way. Where if you're a side chick, you know that the the probability of the person leaving their family for you are pretty slim. So, and that's how he went. Yeah. But we come to see Arturo falling don't, in love. Don't. Or falling. Don't you even try to no, no, tell no, no. me that there's character development with that Arturo man. There, there is, is character nothing. development. No Because way. at the start. I will fight you. At the start, we shown Arturo as not being a caring person. Uh, and he was in it just for the sex or whatever it was. But during the heist, he feels like he's wronged Monica and he has to do something more for her. Exactly. He becomes more protective. He becomes he he cares more about the pregnancy. And when he, when when he heard that Monica wanted to get an abortion, he almost flipped a switch like No, but that's exactly it what you said during the heist he didn't know whether he was going to get out so of course he was going sometimes to try and you shack need, up sometimes you need nah. to sometimes you need a laugh or death experience to just knock some sense into you with your side piece not with your wife because your wife's not there but even even so remember the last phone call i think it was during the end of season one or part one where they managed to get a total to talk to the wife mm-hmm. and do you remember what he called the wife? He called Monica. the wife Monica. Because it's all Monica all day, all night, man. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Kings didn't leave their queens for common whores. 
Well, she wasn't a common whore. She's quite intelligent. Okay, she was a mint whore. <laughs> <laughs> she's an intelligent person, just caught up in a relationship she was, that she thought. She was. And, and because not- Arturo did promise that they would be together forever. He did. Before the heist. No, he did. Yeah. That's and why she that got was so upset. All, that was all before her being pregnant. I think that just scared Arturo. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him because that's shitty. But the pregnancy just threw a spanner in the works and he didn't feel like he could give up. Um, it, it just felt all too real. You know what I mean? Like, he can have this... Oh, so it's not real when you're actually cheating on your wife? Once the baby pops out, that's when it feels real? Yeah, I'd say so. Hmm. It's all fun and games until then. Oh, is it? <laughs> so should I be waiting nine months until I see a good surprise? Uh, there are a lot of wooties out there. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> From an octus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not the Primanoctus podcast and I hope to God there isn't one out there. <laughs> Um, so let's let's just let's just leave that to the side for a second. Denver or Moscow? Mm. What do you think? Um, uh, like you said, Moscow is the father in the, the uh-huh. group, and you you could see how everyone respected him. You know, you could get guys that didn't get much respect, like Berlin, even though I think he deserved a whole lot more than he got. Yeah, but he'll get his own sections. Yes, talk about. and and Moscow is one of those Fucking guys, and he connected with everyone. He connected with Nairobi, with Tokyo, you know, and and he could he could understand, he could empathize with everyone in the group, and everyone felt like, oh, I can really talk to him. And we saw his relationship with Denver. He felt like he had failed Denver growing up, and mm-hmm. he took Denver under his wings because. Um, he, the mother was a drug addict and he had to cut ties with her. So it was pretty much the whole lives was just him and Denver. But he had gone to prison for a while and Denver was left out in the in, in the open just mm-hmm. to, med, to fight for himself. And he regrets this and he wants to be there for Denver. And that's why he brought Denver into the heist because Denver initially wasn't meant to be part of this. No. Yeah. Uh, aside from having an extra hand, I'm not sure if Denver had any specialized sort of skill. Not really, but he he was quite likable. He was likable. He was a likable punk. Hmm. Mm. Like you, you could tell that he pretty much lived his life to, you know, just all frivolity and. But he he brought debauchery. his street smarts into this as well. You know what he True. lacked in talent. He brought in personality and some some thuggery into the into the group, but he he definitely brought some aspect of um, the street know how how to deal with situations if they go awry. Like he is the man you'd go for when okay, we need to improvise right now because everything the professor said isn't going according to plan. What do we do? If Balin wasn't there, Denver is your man. Okay, I, I think you're pepping him up a bit too much. He's more of a foot soldier. Like, he's efficient in what he does, but I don't think he has that lateral thinking for advising and for strategy. He does. He brings a lot to this in terms of, uh, you know, plot wise as well, because we see him with Monica and how they build this relationship. So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. So he's he's told by Balin, go and kill Monica. Yes. Because Monica was trying to smuggle some phone. She was going work, yes. Yeah, she was trying to smuggle a phone in a bra or something. And when it rang and Balin was like, finish her, Denver. But yeah, Denver couldn't do it. Gladly so, because the father was heartbroken when he thought that he had actually killed Monica. Oh, they kept that secret for so long. They did. I was like, Moscow, your son's an angel. And it hurt, <laughs> and it hurt Denver not being able to tell the father. Yes. Like, Dad, I couldn't kill her. I can't kill oh, anyone. Man. It's not this, me. This show was rife with secrets. It really was. Just ready for the picking. Mm. Just ready for the picking. Uh, Moscow and Deva, very, very solid crew. Um, but even Moscow, if, again, I I am not for milking things for all it's worth, but I would kind of be into watching a prequel of Moscow in his previous life. It'll just be him in jail. That's okay. Oh, you want Oiz Espanol? Yeah. <laughs> Escape it. Escape at uh, Casa de Papel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so had a really good father dynamic. How about, because we talked about Moscow um, being the patriarchal figure. How about when he tried to pull Tokyo up on her bullshit? Oh, I love that. Tokyo was being really spoiled. And I feel like if you're watching this and you don't hate Tokyo for the best part of this show, we would love to meet you. <laughs> we would definitely love to meet you. Because you're obviously not human. <laughs> yeah, because Tokyo frustrates the, the living hell out of you. She is entitled us. She is... She feels like everything just needs to go her way. Yeah. Like, it took a while. And I feel like once Moscow did tell, him, tell her what, you know, just you're full of shit and... Don't drag um Don't drag a lot Rio of people down with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you could tell she clings on to someone and she just can't be alone. She's like one of those people who who have never been who have never not been in a relationship. Yeah, just jumping like, from one Jumping to from one ship to another because you're scared of being left alone with your thoughts. Yeah. Mm. But Tokyo was trash, man. She was she was like the anti-protagonist, like just just because of her unlikability. And the reason why I just couldn't get on any level of relatability with her is I guess her, her whole mantra was, you know, I've had a shit life, so I'm going to use people as my playthings and I want to do whatever I want and everyone is collateral damage. You know, um, I'm pretty sure it was her previous crime before this one. She was in a heist with her boyfriend that she persuaded to do it and he ended up dying. And that's why she's messed up because she feels like she failed the boyfriend and she doesn't want to do this again. And I feel like when she was talking with Rio and Rio was trying to get her to commit, she really couldn't because she felt like it's all temporary. Like Rio's an idiot because everyone knows a smart you idiot. you can't wife a hoe. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. Tokyo is just messed up. She's been through a lot, and she feels like no. But she uses well in Rio's uh, example. She uses her sexuality as a weapon. 
She does. And she uses her vulnerability as a weapon. She does. And that's not right. It's not. And that's not fair. You're preaching to the choir. I, I'm not I'm not trying to defend Tokyo, but we can see towards the end of part two. She's trying to reconcile all that back. Like she's she's fully aware of how she's been and she's trying to be a better person. No, but is she genuinely trying to be a better person? I doubt it. Uh, there was also a vulnerable moment between Tokyo and Rio where when they first scouted out the mint, uh, she was talking about how um, post-coitus that growing up she would draw a door from which in her childhood she would be able to escape from essentially Mm. but she would never want to use it and she would only have one chance to use it but just knowing the door was there was enough for her and when they went to scout the place again post-coitus she shared this with Rio and that was later filtered out throughout the show as well and I guess you get a bit more of a glimpse of Tokyo but again I just I'm I'm not a fan of the way that she manipulates the situation even in that vulnerability. Yeah, and I feel like the professor should have been aware of what's going on because mm-hmm. one of the mistakes that they made was going to scout the men and they were caught on camera together. Dumb. Kissing all lovey-dovey. Dumb. And their faces were shown on national TV. Yeah. And we have to talk about the FBI crossing the line between... Yes, yes. On the roof? Was it on the roof? There was a scene, I'm pretty sure it was on the roof, where they got the innocents to dress in the jumpsuits. And they ended up shooting someone. They shot Arturo. (laughs) Yeah. Was it on the rooftop? Yeah, it was on the rooftop. Yeah. But what I meant was just, yeah, like that's one example of the FBI crossing the line. It was a good example. Like it's just to what end? You know, yeah. they're getting pressure from politicians to get this done. Mm-hmm. But you have to do it right. You know, what's the point of getting an end result and everyone has their hands dirty? But that's like, you know, it's getting really tense and it starts to ramp up and they do the tight shots and then you hear the boom, 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 boom music and you don't know what to do. And Raquel's like, just shoot them, just shoot them. And you shoot them and you realize it's tour and you're like, oh, <laughs> we damn did fucked up. <laughs> but I wasn't that, I wasn't that angry because tour is terrible. Yeah, he just knew he wouldn't die. <laughs> hang on a sec, hang, hang on a second. Arturo in his red jumpsuit with the scissors. Oh. It seems like Jordan Peele got some inspiration. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he stabbed Denver on the he back. Did, he did, he did, he did. <laughs> he did. Why don't, I, I wouldn't call it a stab, but he attempted. He attempted to stab <laughs> Denver in the back. He attempted. He's such a weasel. He's such a slippery, slimy character. He's, At every he's, turn. He's the survivor. Like, you'd want to feel, you'd be you'd be able to handle such a situation like Arturo. You know what? I would respect it if he was competent, 
but it seemed like he was sloppy, but he still managed to survive. <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got nine lives here. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, Nairobi. Most favorite character in this. She was a slow burn, though. And it, no, it, I liked her the no, minute. No, 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 no. It, it, it might not be her, but I'm just saying there were so many characters to introduce. I kind of didn't really pay attention to her until you know further into season one. Is my point? I think I paid attention to her just because her name was Nairobi. But <laughs> Kenya in the house. <laughs> but you, you could feel, you could see her. Her, she wasn't the leader. But she was, she didn't scare off responsibility. True. And when Berlin was acting up, she'd be the one to bang at Berlin's face. Hey, this is not right. You can't do this. Wasn't afraid to pull out a gun and pointing it to anyone that she thought was stepping out of line. She had goal and she was fearless. So her backstory is quite sad. She lost a kid and she's battling to... Well, she's try. trying to get back to her kid. Yeah, she's trying to get back to her kid. And she, but she had this resilience and she had this fearlessness that was very much to be admired. And, you know, she still has a daughter that she's hoping to go back to, but that doesn't stop her from, as you say, standing up for what's right. She was really the key point in advocating for Alison. Yeah. But you know what? She was quite close with that, and she only really opened up to Tokyo. Who came and used person. that and just threw it in her face? Like, the worst person. At that moment, I was like, "Fucking hell!" Someone shoot Tokyo. Yeah, it was really disgusting. She's she's uh, venturing into Joffrey territory. <laughs> Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, not that hateable, but, you know, somewhere between Skylar and him. <laughs> oh, but Nairobi, very solid character. Um, she constantly tried to get in the professor's pants. Yeah, more than once. Why, though? He just liked them smart. Oh. There's this thing with glasses and just being smart and geeky. Like, yeah. It's doing it for me right now. Yeah, I know. I can tell. <laughs> um. So, do you want to do you want to talk about? Um. Actually, no. Before we talk about uh, more of the main characters, let's talk about Angel. 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 Well, let's call him Angel. And for all of our Spanish-speaking listeners, uh, lo siento means I'm sorry. So that's as far as I go. Um, but he is the colleague of Raquel. Mm. Um, it is to believe that they've had one night of passion yep. years ago. Ages ago. Um, and he's just not letting it go. So he actually becomes quite pivotal near to the end of season one. So I just wanted to talk about it. So um, we say season one, even though it was released as one series in Italy, but because it's continuing on Netflix, we'll just call it season one. Uh, but near the end of season one is where the crash happens mm. with Angel and where he leaves 
the voicemails. So I just wanted to spend a bit of time talking about him. Yeah, so he's hung up on Raquel. Um, they had this knot of passion. Raquel didn't really reciprocate the feelings. It was just more of a one-night stand kind yeah. of thing. So he's battling this, or he's not really battling. He doesn't want to advance his career. She's He's tied pretty much to Raquel, and everything he's done in his life from that one night of passion has been for Raquel. Everything for Raquel. Not his wife and kids? Not for his wife and kids. They're just all secondary. Well, that's okay. It's true. <laughs> so he's hung don't up. Be, don't be coy. You were backing your best friend, Arturo. Yeah, and, and loving the mystery. And he's he's been put in the friend zone. So But let no, let's talk about this without getting too um PC or too feminist. One night of looking at him, probably not the best sex, but you know, oh, one wow. night of relations with a man. Why do you feel like you're entitled to that woman just because you've had one night of sex with her? Because you're better than the ex-husband who was cheating on you with the sister. Yes, yes. But you also have scenarios where you have these guys like, oh, I'm so nice. I'm so unassuming. But secretly, you want to fuck it raw every single time. Can you not be nice and want to fuck someone raw? Well, you can, but I'm not giving Angel that grace. It's just... He's had a crush on this lady. And... So... Raquel finally gives it up. Of course he's going to be hooked on that. I feel you, like you Raquel your, knew that. You have your crush on Halle Berry, but it doesn't mean she's going to give it up. Oh, just wait. <laughs> okay. For, for our um, dedicated handful of listeners, if you're one of them, Halle Berry, feel free. Here's your invitation. We cordially invite you. <laughs> but I feel sorry for him. Uh, he's he's not Raquel doesn't really see him as as a romantic partner which is sad and which is why he's even more diligent when the professor starts yeah but then you just Raquel. come off as a jilted lover at that point regardless but he's the one that actually started breaking the case he took a teaspoon from the professor's dingy workshop or whatever you want to call cider. it yeah the cider and he knew the cider was fake from the get-go. Yeah. Like, he's from a background where, the, I think his parents or grandparents used to own a cider. Cidery. Let's cidery. Call Let's call it a cidery. <laughs> Let's go with that. And he knew his cider is from, you know. He notices. He takes the professor's fingerprints, sends it to the lab for analysis, and he gets into a crash before he could... And- ex- like, tell anyone about this i felt like even then we knew like you know you're old when you actually want to know more details about how he sourced the apples and how, <laughs> and how the cider the cidery works right um but this is actually a perfect example of what i was pointing to earlier because it felt like El Profesor was smart when the narrative warranted it because Angel, even though he was amazing and he was very capable, he literally just followed El Profesor into that place. The same, granted, it it looked like a cidery at the time, 
but that's the same place that he has his bunker and where he has the phone as well. So if El Profesor is so smart, first of all, how did he get tailed and not notice that Angel was following him? And second of all, why would he set up his base at the same fucking place that his decoy is? You hide in plain sight. That's the number one rule of hiding. Yeah, but in that case, it wasn't really hiding it because it was literally there. (laughs) (laughs) Plain sight. (laughs) Like he had the front of the shop where it had all the cider, and then the back, the back end, he had the, you know, control tower where okay. he could monitor everything. Uh-huh. But I had no qualms with that. I've got the. Qualms. He was followed. He was followed because there was no reason for him to hide. He's innocent. He's just another civilian. He had his backstory with the cidery. That doesn't answer how he got tailed. He can tell anyone. He should have known that he was being tailed. What's his background? Because uh, El Profesor, uh, his father robbed banks. And this was actually his father's plan, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So he should have been smarter to know that someone was tailing him. Just because you're from Kenya and Nairobi loved El Professor doesn't mean you need to side with him every time. I'm not siding with him. I'm just saying he had nothing to hide. If someone follows him, he's was following he without him as a blemish? Was he without blemish? Was he without flaw? He had his flaws. He had his flaws. And we'll come to that. But for this, I'm not holding it against him at all. Okay. Well, before we move on, because we were talking about Angel. He left so many messages on uh, Raquel's. Raquel's mobile, on Raquel mum's home phone, and on the, t- I don't know what you call it, their, their headquarters in the tent. He left so many messages on there. How was it that, if not Raquel, no one else intercepted those calls except for Raquel's mum that has Alzheimer's? convenient she didn't want to listen to her voice messages because she assumed that angel is dying and the first bunch like the first 10 messages were pretty brutal they were just about it was just sounded in like a jealous jilted lover ex lover or stalker but as you said he did kick off the investigation yeah but nothing about the first 10 messages had anything to do with the investigation it was just you him calling Raquel a bitch and I loved you. I did. I followed you everywhere. I protected you. Eggplant, eggplant, you up. Yeah. So, nah, I don't blame her for not listening no, to it. No, I just thought that was a convenient plot hole. There were, okay, let's just leave it because I could go on day in and day out about this. But let's focus on some other characters. Is there anyone you want to particularly go to? Uh, Berlin. Oh, can we leave Berlin till last, actually? Oh, so who do you want to talk about? <laughs> um, Professor, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with him? Oh, he's, he's, we know he's smart. He's had enough time to plan everything through. Obviously To not. connect, to plan most of it through, to connect most <laughs> of the you. dots. And... He's one of his. 
he's like Schofield in that fact. Well, less Schofield, but you know, if Schofield had a bad day. Oh, <laughs> um, no, but then I don't think Professor really got his hands as dirty as Schofield did. What do you mean? Schofield got... No, I'm saying Professor. He set everything up. He orchestrated all of it. But he wasn't really on the ground for a lot of it. Yeah, true. Um, Schofield would probably have gone into uh, <laughs> the mint to be yeah. part of the action. But in a lot of ways, he's trying to orchestrate all this uh, because he feels like he needs to control the outside aspects of it as well, mm-hmm. which is understandable and I think which is genius. Yeah. <laughs> so that when you get information about an evidence, uh, a piece of evidence out there that needs to be get re- get rid of, you 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 can really just dash there, get rid of it as quickly as possible, and uh-huh. make the FBI run run around chasing their tails. A side character that we haven't talked about is Allison's teacher. So we have um, the teacher. Yep. Who's there. And she, I think she just did what she could do at the moment. She tried to keep the peace, Mm -hmm. try to hide the students and trying to keep her safe. When Allison went missing or Allison was taken to another room, she tried to intervene and try to get her back with the other students uh-huh. but that didn't work out but she always was at the forefront of trying to get things happen and she also tried to liaise with Arturo by you know trying to see how they could best escape so the sisterhood of the traveling scissors yup Alexis <laughs> <laughs> Pidel will be proud to be fair she she was quite brave because you know it, to be a teacher, you've got to have some sort of heart, right? Yeah. But even then, like in a hostage situation, it's very admirable. And I'm assuming the teachers are also underpaid, so it's quite admirable. I think that's as well. probably a universal, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. Right. Um, but in that moment, like, it's very admirable that she kept putting the kids' interests in front of her own. Yeah. True. Most of us will all be thinking about number one, you know. And I'm number one, right? <laughs> he laughed with denial. <laughs> um, I think the time has come, kids, for us to talk about Berlin. The best character in this series. Mm-mm, without a doubt. One of the strongest characters we've seen in any show. You agree with me? Yeah. Well, that's not fun. I thought we were going to fight. Oh, I do not agree. (laughs) (laughs) But your dukes up. Pretty much. So, um, I I, I don't know. I think in time, I will be less um, apprehensive about spoilers. But if you haven't watched Money Heist, we've been quite courteous so far. Um, But you need to dial away now. Okay, so now that they finally left the podcast all of these minutes in, (laughs) Berlin, the most solid character in this series, turns out to be the older brother 
of El Profesor. <sighs> we should have seen it coming. I saw it coming. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? I was you... trying to lump you with one of the plebs as well. But... How dare you besmirch me in my household? <laughs> yes, you did see it coming. I didn't. Not from the start, though. Not from the start. So, um, with Berlin, I don't think it was until maybe mid part one or the start of part two where we learned that he was sickly mm. and he needed his daily boosts. Yeah. Um, that, cause that definitely wasn't revealed at the start of the series. And as the series progressed, we started to learn more and more about Berlin and not necessarily the cloth that he was cut from more about the man that he was today in the series Mm. um but as as we kept talking and when um professor was talking to raquel post coitus probably more coitus than game of thrones at this point (laughs) i'm very disappointed sorry guys we just well i just started watching game of thrones um and ot's watched it quite a few times and i'm very disappointed at the lack of d6 that goes on but let's get back to (laughs) let's get back to la casa de papel or money heist uh when uh he wasn't professor wasn't really confiding he was more just by the way you know telling his story about his father so we we heard that quite early on that his father had ambitions beyond his own life and Mm. professor chose to take it on Mm. so we heard that quite early but then he he continued to give more of himself and in this particular instance he talked about how his brother was sickly and um uh, you know we have a whole podcast about watching tv and movies right in that moment i just decided to theorize oh I bet you any money, Berlin is the older brother of Professor. And what happened, babe? It turned out to be true. I'm the people's champ. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Well, how did you see Berlin? Um, what did you think of him as a character in terms of his relationship with his crewmates and the reason he was set out as a leader by the professor he may not be the man that you want behind your back but he's always the man that you want in front of you Mm. Mm. he's there to get the job done and we we actually maybe not on this podcast but just through our viewership we constantly talk about characters that you know, their, their, their sense of morals are either non-existent or they are thin compared to the leader. But when you are leading an army or you are ruling a people, you need to have someone on your team that is willing to do anything to go further than you ever would in order to maintain your rulership. And that is Berlin. It is. He... Not that he doesn't have emotions or whatever, but he, everything is a plan and everything is a job to him. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what's happening, 
the external noises, mm-hmm. he just blocks it out. It doesn't matter. Stick to the plan. This is what we do. If it doesn't work, we have plan B and C. Mm-hmm. And he kept on saying that to the people when they were starting to freak out that the professor hadn't called them in what, almost 24 hours? Uh-huh. It wasn't 24 yet. But Berlin was always there. Calm. Mm-hmm. I've got this. If it doesn't work, we'll do plan B. But I think most of that would also have to be with him being terminally ill. Like, if he wasn't... <laughs> he, was, he was ready to go down in a blaze of glory. Rampage! If he, if he wasn't terminally ill, I feel like he would he would have turned that down a bit. He would have been I don't so, think so. You reckon? I don't think so. I feel like Berlin was part Viking and he was ready to die a glorious death. Mm. Subtle plug. If you haven't watched that episode of Vikings and you've watched the series so far, go and check it out. Yeah, there's more Ivar the Bornless in this. Uh, I'm just going to write this down uh, in my death note. <laughs> uh, what are you doing in an hour's time? <laughs> Planning on dying? Nope. No heart attack for me today. <laughs> Oh, but Berlin, he had so much depth. And um, the way that he ruled was, yes, out of fear, but it was also without question. He was kind of uh, under so the... So authoritative, yeah. Yeah, he was kind of under the leadership of, I fucking told you what to do. Go and fucking do it. I'm not going to paint you a picture. Just go and do what I told you and to I'm do. And I'm not going to explain shit. No, no. And I guess that was part of his armor in order for him to be able to be himself because there was this vulnerability in him Mm. as well because he was a dying man. Yeah. What did you think about the um, chick he was fucking? What was it? One of the hostages. I, you know. He was looking for some sort of... (sighs) Not relationship per se, but companionship. I think it was beyond the physical, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it felt like he just wanted someone to be around him before he died. But, you know, a lot of the time you hear about sex workers saying, you know, some of their clients don't even have sex. It's that companionship that you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, they need and- to be getting 50% discount though, just saying. Hey man, you know, they they can fulfill you in many ways. It doesn't always have to be stanky ass, <laughs> raw dog and ass. Oh, raw dog and ass. The sex. <laughs> oh, that's from Shreel, right? Eddie Brown's um, weird boyfriend. Referring to the sex as raw dogging because he likes it. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, actually, check out Shrill. We've tried it. It's quite good. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, but let's not let it leak into our lovely um, chat about money heist. So going back to Berlin, he had... He was essentially the iceberg of the Titanic. You didn't see how much he had beneath the surface Mm. because he was shouldering a lot of dimension 
And in his acting alone, I don't know, he was just so charismatic. Just like in Black Panther, when I talked about Jamie Foxx's natural charisma upside down in Django Unchained, right? <laughs> there was something about Berlin that you just rooted for. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's likable. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because for such characters who are like Berlin, they're not as charismatic. I think it depends on the actors. Just shout outs to the casting. For yeah, the show. definitely. Oh, they, whoever was the casting director really did a good job on this. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, with Berlin, there was so much depth that was going on beneath the surface. But I felt like, I felt like we were going to get there. You know, even from the start of the series, I wasn't really sure where we were going, but I was happy that Berlin was on the journey with us. Mm. So, we get this moment with Berlin and the professor uh-huh. singing. Oh. Do you yes. remember just how much you cried? <laughs> well, the, the, the good thing is, and I'm pretty sure it was deliberate, that Bella Chow song was played throughout the series. And when they had the reveal between El Profesor and Berlin, it pretty much, so, you, you know, you have this series about El Profesor and the foundation of him trying to realize his father's dream, albeit a criminal one, but he's trying to realize his father's ambitious dream. The Profesor brings all of the people with their expertise together to infiltrate the mint and be able to pull off the biggest heist in history. And you have all along his brother by his side. And you have that scene where you have El Profesor and uh, Berlin sitting at that table drinking wine and they start to sing Bella Ciao. Bella Ciao. Bella Ciao. 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 And it becomes this crescendo. Not just to the series, but to the acknowledgement of their brotherhood. Of their love for each other. Of their love for each other, if you'll pardon the pun. So, um, according to Wikipedia, this is an anti-fascist song um, that was quite famous. And even once it was re-released as a part of this series, it became in the top charts as well. But um, essentially, it's follows the narrative of someone that is trying to uh, pretty much escape the invader. In this case, they're talking about German troops um, and what becomes of this person and how, um, you know, if they come for me, please bury me in a mountain under the shadow of a wonderful flower. Um, And, you know, all of the people passing by will say, What a wonderful flower. And I just want to read the last verse of that. And this is the flower of the partisan. Goodbye, my beautiful. Goodbye, my beautiful. Goodbye, my beautiful. Goodbye. Dead for our freedom. And this is the flower of the partisan. Dead for our freedom. Mm -mm. That is some strong words. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we... 
you know, the, part of the reason why we started this podcast is because we watch a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies, pretty much just to escape the day-to-day sort of droning of life. Um, but even though we watch a lot of things, not a, not a lot of shows or movies touch us or remain with us after we watch it and money heist was so beautifully stitched together in the tapestry of the narrative the writing was great the acting was great the use of the bella chow throughout the series was phenomenal mm, i agree 100 it would definitely be on my lists of you know things that people should watch um, I, we don't quite understand it because we watch a lot of foreign, uh, sort of films and TVs and also animes as well. So we are well versed in subtitles, you know, we, we're also conscious of the food that we can eat while we're <laughs> reading subtitles, <laughs> but, uh, we, we do also understand that there, there are some viewers out there that do have an aversion to reading subtitles. Um, so this is definitely one to whet your palate. Or if you're on watching it on Netflix, you could also just change the audio to English if no, that's sir. your thing. No, sir. We do not stand dubs in this household. <laughs> well, not everyone <laughs> likes reading subtitles. There's just an option for you dub lovers out there. I guess so. And um, we definitely need to cover an anime because we haven't we haven't covered an anime at all but the reason why i bring that up is sometimes hearing hearing not 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 actually listening but hearing uh hearing the language in its intended purpose is more powerful and you get more inflection and you get more dimension to the story than to just hear it in an english version you know what I mean? Sometimes it doesn't translate, if you pardon the pun, as well. True. And and it's part of the experience, right? Yeah. Like the tonal variations are quite unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. And it, it engages, it captures you. It takes you into, it, it takes you to a different world. Like it's yeah. just, it transcends what, it transcends how it would be just if it was in English. Like, because it's it's their words and it's their language and they know how to emote. bring the exactly yeah, yeah yeah so if subtitles isn't your thing just try it out and you will love it but if you watch dubs you know we we welcome you with both arms ah maybe just uh, one arm yeah one arm each both arms <laughs> Uh, and stick around. We we promise that you will slowly start to love subs. Um, and you know we're we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, turn people away out of our manger, so to say. True. So um, the show part two ends when they've successfully escaped. Yes, and I was hoping Tokyo will get sniper shot from a roof or something. <laughs> and. Raquel is meeting the professor. The professor in some island. Where is it? It's Palawan in the Philippines. Yes. In the Philippines. In the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of like a happy ending for most, and I was content with that. It. Do you know what? Like, 
it kind of felt like that was it. And even on the Spanish series, it was only set out to be what it is now. A two-parter. The, no, but it was even just one series with 15 episodes. Because mm. it pretty much just closed the chapter yeah. there, right? Um, which, I, I guess, do you... First of all, what do you think about expanding the story? Possibly expanding it, because what else are you going to talk about? Um, and second of all, should it just have ended the way that it ended? We've seen a lot of shows cling on to... <laughs> cling on by the skin of the teeth. Yeah. Try to do season after season when you know it's way past it. Yeah. And it's sad. And to a point where I feel like me watching Money Heist is more towards the fact that it kept me engaged for two seasons. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what they're going to do for this because I don't think they'll be doing another heist. Yeah. Surely not. Well, it might be like Prison Break. Uh, trying to capture other people doing heist. Prison heists. Break was good though. Just the first they season. Just the first season. Yeah. Like, they should have just left it alone. Yeah, but... I understood the second season of them trying to be on the run. Uh-huh. But it should have just ended after that. Professor on the run. <laughs> but whatever it is that Netflix has in plan in store for this, I hope it's worth it. Oh, and we hope it's worth I it. I hope it's worth it. It's a solid series that doesn't need me to be tarnished by having additional episodes that just bloat the whole thing. Because we are human, so even even when we love something and it ends, we're screaming out, "Please give us more! Give us more!" But you know, the sensible side of us is like, let's just leave it. You know, <laughs> like we had some fun. It ended well. Let's just leave it alone. So I guess, you know, the jury is out until Netflix comes out with a third part. Uh, in the teaser sort of trailer, it's mm. not really a trailer. It's more of them coming back for a table read. We see Berlin at the table read. So it's very exciting. And I'm not sure where we're going to go. It's probably flashbacks. This show is notorious for flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it may well just be that. It probably will just be that. Um, but then what becomes of Raquel, right? Like, the, there's a lot up in the air. Yeah, I don't think Raquel would hang up a well, badge to of, become a criminal now. But she, she kind of has. She, She's abandoned... Not a criminal. No, no, no. But she's at least abandoned her life because she's associating with a well-known... Oh, I don't know if he's known, but he's associ she's associating with, to her knowledge, a criminal. Yeah. And... She loves a kid so much, but she ran off to be with that man. But, you know, that's another story for another day. Mm. Well, she does need love, so sometimes you just have to look after yourself. I guess so. And the husband is always there, so yeah, shared custody isn't that bad. Any final thoughts before we close off? I just hope they do a better job with the third season than they've done with things they've tried to reprise like Arrested Development, which I felt was oh. a bit below par. But don't forget, there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> yes, Job. And Fuller House. Ugh. So I'm not really... Did anyone really expect anything out of Fuller House though? Yeah, I don't know. Somehow I expected it to be different 
but it's it is different but just the same you know like but it's, no, it's but nostalgia is nostalgia for a reason by definition it's reminiscing on what was not dredging it back from the past into the present true and there are a lot of shows coming back we have bel-air coming back no i think that was just the fan-made trailer you reckon yeah no it's actually happening Okay, well, you'll be watching that yourself. <laughs> Stick out for the OT only podcast episode. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> so let's wrap up with the name of our podcast for your reference. Uh, because we do watch a lot of things. Uh, it's essentially our segment to cite our sources or give you suggestions on what you might enjoy watching if you like this or if you didn't like this. I will do the most obvious reference and that is Prison Break because you have two protagonists who control, who want to control everything that's happening in the show by thinking of clever ideas, clever plans and how they interact with members who are not as clever, who are not as smart <laughs> and trying to mitigate those situations. So it was definitely something that, that you need to watch, especially the first season, just for its brilliant brilliant writing and it's one of the sol most solid uh, seasons that you'll ever see on tv to date nice but in your suggestion you'll have to watch all seasons of prison break even the terrible ones uh if you want to but <laughs> nani if you've seen the first one you can just pretend you've watched the whole thing Okay, and this week for my for your reference, uh, I'm going on a bit of a different tangent. So, uh, you know, Money Heist was a very smartly written show. A lot of the time you're talking about bank heists, you know, which are for the common plebs out there. They went to the source where you actually print the money. Um, and we didn't give Nairobi enough accolades because she was paramount to that. Amazing. Uh, so what I would recommend if you enjoyed watching Money Heist, um, another Netflix show, Dirty Money. So that pretty much takes different uh, topics every episode. The first one is about Volkswagen um, and the carbon emissions mm. that they talk about. Um, you've also got an episode about Screlly. So it's not necessarily about, um, you know, full on blue collar crime, but it's still people taking advantage of the system and committing crimes in a way that they felt like they could get away with it. Yeah, and it's real life, so there you go. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, we would strongly encourage you to check out some more foreign cinema and some more foreign film because you ex you essentially expand your repertoire um, of your viewing experience. Uh, we are on main sort of podcast mediums. We're on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn. Google Podcasts, and a whole lot of others. Check our website for more details. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Remember, you can write us an email at hello at fyrpodcast.com. See you guys. Bye.